We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming at Thursday morning, it's March 23rd. On today's show, we have finally the return of Carl Anthony Towns to discuss. I looked it up this morning. We have done 63 episodes of this podcast since Carl Anthony Towns last played in a basketball game. He's back now, and so is Kyle Tige from Score North. Britt Robson normally does the Thursday shows. Kyle takes Fridays. We swapped those, you know, five first round picks and Kyle for Britt and uh, Britt will be <laughs> back tomorrow. And uh, I'm actually excited to have Kyle here to recap a uh, a real exciting uh, Wolves win. That was a totally different environment at Target Center than it has been in a long time. Kyle, a lot to get to, a lot of maybe not super cat specific things we want to touch on, just given how that game went. But we certainly should start with cat specifically. What? cat specific thing or things stood out to you last night well i think before we get started and have fun with this one we should if you don't mind take a moment of yep. silence for everyone who didn't think carl would ever play another game in a timberwolves jersey <laughs> so we'll just uh let those people kind of go through those feelings quick. i i um, noticed i noticed you tweeted that out and uh <laughs> mr carl anthony towns liked that tweet <laughs> yeah hey listen listen just another reminder, you always say this, right? Like players are so much more online than they'll ever give credit to. But um yeah, as Dr. would Carl. as would all of us, man. Oh, like, for sure. Like, for oh, sure. they searched their name. Of course, man. If I was in the NBA, people were crapping on me thirty percent of the time. Yes, yes, you would you would you would see that. And I don't know, it's just it's 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 normal. Yes, cat is online, so is so is everybody. It's it's <laughs> like listen, man, if you're if you it was a petty tweet that I sent out in Carl's defense and Carl liked it. And again, no one's more pettier than I am. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got that out of the way. But it was don't worry yeah. about it. Don't worry oh, about I, it. It's like a movie. <laughs> uh, no, what a what a I don't even, now I'm all distracted. I don't even know where to start. But it was just talking to people that were there last night. I mean, you were one of them. It was a playoff like atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like it was the closest thing you had to the Grizzlies series to the Clippers game, right? Yeah, that's not even a, a Kyle hyperbolic thing. It it was. Like that's literally why I was sitting there. I was like, huh, yeah, this is the this is the first time it it felt like the end of last season. Um where I mean, not just the fans, but the team and the the belief, right? Like there was a belief in the Wolves at the end of the season as they 
I, I don't remember exactly what it was. They went on a hot run to to end the season to to get into that seven seed to get to the play in and. The environment was was certainly similar on a Wednesday night, you know, at, at Target Center. Like people are behind this thing. People are behind Cat. And he, like you said, is certainly with the program here and is definitely working his gonna need to work his way back physically. He's definitely not as fast as as he was before. But I mean what stood out to me was that it didn't there wasn't a effectiveness issue on the offensive end. I, I thought at all, despite you know working himself back into some shape there and, and being able to being able to play. Like the thing is, is the dude can be effective offensively, like without dribbling. Just you know, right? You know, you just yeah. just shoot threes, and it's like I've always said, it's like you're shooting them over everybody. You're six eleven, like you could you could take those. I just thought like. Every possession when Cat got a touch and he took one or zero dribbles, the offense was extremely effective. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if that was an Atlanta specific thing where they weren't like as concerned about him, so they didn't really bring a lot of extra coverage. I actually don't think it was that. I think I think this lineup when you have shooters around him and you have the gravity of Rudy, I think it's really hard to like load up on Cat, bring doubles in that sort of way. I, I thought I thought Cat had clean room to operate offensively when he took one or zero dribbles. Like sometimes those drives just naturally, right? You're going to bring the defense in, but uh, keeping it simple offensively for Cat in this time when he doesn't have his explosiveness off the bounce initially, like keep it simple. Nothing wrong with kind of having that KD mid range game. You know, like I-, I don't have a problem with Cat in the half court. You're taking a one dribble into a 16 footer, like he's. He's good at that. He that can be that can be a big and effective part of his game. So offensively, what stands out to me is I, I don't have concerns about Cat being able to fit into this at all. Well, and Bustin was another reminder too, especially, you know, we maybe thought that the Wolves were gonna get Ant and Cat back and you know the whole gang would be there. But Ant's obviously was out and hopefully he can come back on Sunday against the Warriors. But as fun as that Knicks game was. I'm pretty confident saying we'll never see that again as long as I'm breathing. Like, you'll just never see the Wolves just go shoot 70% in 48 minutes. So this team also just needs firepower. They just need more guys to put the ball in the basket. And, then you know, it was great to see Carl come out early. Obviously, he started last night in his return. Um, But to take those first couple threes, right, just in transition, just early, letting it rip, he only ended with three total threes in 26 minutes. It's like... I think Britt was tweeting about this. Like, it'll be great if he just ripped off eight. Right. Like, eight's the magic number to me. It's just like, you if you play 20 more minutes, you should just always have eight threes. You're the best shooting, you know, big man of all time. So, uh, but he was also a plus 13, and he led the team last night. Like, his, his impact was big. Obviously, Finch drew up the play from uh, at the end of the game to get, you know, he had an advantage against Collins, gets to the line, hits those two clutch free throws. And then, you know, my last petty rant is like, he just seemed like a guy that was really happy to be back playing basketball. For right? Sure. Like I, I know, man, I know that he says some cringeworthy things and God, so you're like, oh, why did you say that? But it's like, would you rather cheer for Trey young? <laughs> right. Would you rather Carl be shirtless at some strip club in Colorado? Like, like he just, he, he, dude, I didn't go running for four days on vacation. And when I finally went for a run, I was almost in tears. Like I had a skip in my step. I was like, I'm just so excited to be running. 
Carl hasn't played basketball in like 116 days. He was probably just really excited to be back out there and to close a game out for his team. And we had worries about the fit and all that stuff. He fit in perfectly. Now, how will that look as every game moves forward and he gets a little more acclimated? I don't know. When Ant comes back, how's that going to look? But they don't win that game last night without him. A must-win game that keeps them alive. They do not win it without Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, the the Ant part, right, is, is interesting, too, because if we're talking about Cat having a lot of room to operate offensively with Ant not in the mix, I mean, it, that's only going to get cleaner, right? Like, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you, because what, what we had in that game, particularly like if Kyle was initiating, right? You have multiple shooters. You don't, you don't have like a, I mean, Kyle, I know he's shooting well, but he's, he's kind of like a guy you can slough off of. But if he's initiating, right, they have to be intentional about being up and guarding him. You have the other two shooting wings around him. And then I know everybody gets like frustrated when we say these things like screen assists and gravity and whatever with Rudy, but, Watch it, man. Watch, watch the uh, an offensive possession when Rudy moves from the nail down to the rim. Teams magnetize themselves to that. That's what that gravity is we're talking about, and that buys you one, two extra steps if you're the shooter spaced around that. Or for Carl, it makes it really hard to load up on him. They, teams, when this, this group is at full strength, it's going to be really hard to load up on him. It's going to be harder to load up on Ant, though a little bit easier, I think, when it's somebody like creating from the perimeter, you can kind of have that backline guy come over. With Carl, if he's operating from like the elbow, elbow extended sort of area, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really clean. And and that was like the one basketball cat thing that that really stood out to me because it's not what it's not what it's looked like in in his his other, you know, eight years hundreds of games, you know, playing for the Wolves. I, I asked him about that after the game and he seemed to acknowledge it. But was like, I, I don't know. He, he seemed to have like, he was like, was this like a dream? You know, did, did I actually going to to be this open? So, so here's Cat after the game. It was, it was predominantly single coverage tonight. You know, think Ant's coming back here too. Like, it feels like you're going to have more space to work, right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, when I was with Jimmy and everyone, I was getting double team, triple team. When I was with D'Lo this, in the beginning of the year, I was getting double team, triple teamed a lot. So I don't know. I don't want to put out an omen out there that, yeah, for sure. But um, like I said, since day one, I'm going to take what the defense gives me. If, it, if a defense allows me to, you know, have those high scoring nights, then I'm going to take those. And if they have me having a low scoring night, high assist night, then I'm going to take that. I just got to be patient every single game and just take what's given to me. Tonight was one of those nights, like you said, it was some single coverage. I was able to attack and be more aggressive. Um, so, like I said, just take what the defense gives me. Don't be in a rush. Just use experience. You know, I've been around the block a lot so um, with this game of basketball. So just continue to just use my experience every single night. Kyle, I, I think like, we've heard that, like, take what the defense gives me line from Cat, And I think that's at times for me been on, on previous teams where the wolves didn't have as many offensive weapons, like almost a point of frustration where it's like, well, we kind of just need you to take what the defense isn't giving you here. Cause if not, then like Shabazz Napier needs to isolate. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like for, for real though. And, and so I think there's kind of going to be this sort of offensive culture shock to Carl that, I really think he's going to be guarded differently than he ever has before. We didn't see a ton of the post-ups or anything like that. I'm I'm curious to see the first game where they go to him like eight times on the block and Rudy's out there, how defenses 
you know, how much can they Vando that, right? And and leave Rudy and double cat. I, I, I don't think you can do that as much with Gobert out there as you could with Vando at all. I mean, this is just, this is a offensive system under Finch that is predicated on the idea of taking what the defense gives you. It's the playing random. It's the playing off of each other. It's, it's the moving to what the defense is giving you. And to have players, an entire group that has that mentality, that mentality that Carl's actually always had and is a healthy one. I think Rudy has that. I think Mike Conley has that. Some of the lower usage guys like Jaden and Kyle, they have that's all like baked into their DNA. And if you have, you know, eight of your nine guys in your rotation, I mean, Ant is the outlier there that he's just his game isn't really that. Sometimes his game is just play through this and go and take what the defense he, he does do the take what the defense isn't giving him. I, I think that's cool if you have one of those guys who is doing a little bit extra and doing a little bit of quote unquote forcing it, so long as the other four players around you and your bench players are doing the taking what the defense gives you. I, I I leave this game really optimistic about what the offense of this group can be. And I don't know how much of that is like, man, it's been kind of rough here offensively for particularly the last month. And, and things look so much more open to me in this game. But I, I, I don't know. I, I watched that team play without Ant. And I think about Ant coming back and, and I think about the history of Cat even on bad teams that have been, you know, a walking top 10 offense. And I struggle to see why this won't be a top 10 offense level of play again uh, once you do have have Ant back in the mix. Now, can you cobble that together with can your defense remain what it has been? They've been a top 10 defense this season, predominantly with Cat out. I think that's the question. It's it's. They've been a bottom ten defense for this, or a bottom ten offense for the season, and a top ten defense. How, that's going to flip to some extent. I think the offense is going to flip. Where where do we come down um, in the middle of this? That's going to be, you know, the ultimate answer. Can you be top ten on both sides of the ball? Then you're a team. Then you're the team that we thought you were coming into the year. That team that people picked for high forties, fifty wins. And I'm I am significantly more up to that being a possibility that I was at any time during those first 21 games that Cat played. One other note that I had written down was just, uh, and you should comment on this because you were there and kind of bring the listeners that weren't at Target Center into the arena. Um, I thought physically Carl looked pretty back. You know, you, you always wonder, I mean, for a guy that literally self-described and said he, his calf was 90% torn off his leg or whatever. 95. Um, 95, okay, sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll edit that in. Uh, but he had like that steel where he kind of went coast to coast. Yeah. Like he was doing different things. He he did look like he was maybe a, I don't even want to say a half step, like a third step slow, but I don't know if that's just conditioning more I would, than it is. I would disagree. I would say full step, step okay, and a half okay. slow. See, so, it, it looked slower in person. He looked okay. bigger. I mean, he's put, he put on weight and I mean, we've seen Carl, like the, the, we, I mean, Cat has been in his career, like entered seasons from 230 pounds to 270 pounds. Like he was asked to bulk at, you know, when, when Tibbs was here because they wanted to be more the back to the basket center. And, you know, and he comes in this season, clearly wanting to be a lot thinner and, you know, because he's going to be playing the four more. So I feel like we've seen Carl in different body types, right? Of, of what, what he was on the heavier side. 
And like that, that's part of that is just natural. You're going to play yourself back into some shape though. There is also like, I mean, there's good weight and there's bad weight, but there's also just a value of weight sometimes too in, in physicality and being able to, to move someone there. I do think he's going to need to trim, right? It's a, it's a hard injury to stay in strong cardiovascular shape. Obviously he's not running or anything like that. I would imagine the bike is even hard to get on, but you know, there, there is going to need to be some slimming and some speed that he's going to need to re-add if, for, if not for on the offensive side of the ball, certainly for the defensive side of the ball, because he's going to be out there chasing fours. We saw we saw that last night. Um, but sorry, I, I cut you off. I just no. you, you said in, in person it looks slow or it looks slow. Cool. And that, that kind of makes sense, right? As like my, my, my glass half full is that he was doing things, not just spot up shooting, right? Like he did get that steal and go coast to coast mm-hmm. but then on that dunk attempt it looked like if i was trying to dunk on an eight foot hoop right it was like yeah very kind of got one finger over the rim <laughs> and dunked it so um it's like a good and bad like he obviously is back he went through different motions and he fell down a couple times and like he was never it didn't look like on tv that he was grabbing his leg at all but in the same like you said being there there's still a ways to go yes. and you really can't get into nba shape without just playing in the nba i know the stay in shape league that the wolves play in is sizzle pretty pretty competitive but uh i it's it's not this level so uh yeah i just thought that was worth mentioning too but i think back to your offensive thing which was a really good little rant you had is that he he has kind of done this now maybe this is a good time to transition but he's done this with an all-star level ant before like he's played next to ant like he's played with a, a point guard that can spread the floor right it was d'lo and now it's i mean mike conley has very much filled the the d'lo role from the shooting perspective, um, he's done it with Rudy. He's done with those guys, but he's never done it with this version of Jaden. Yeah. Right. Like now you have a, like to, to your offensive point, Jaden, the last four games since Ant went out in that bulls game, Jaden has taken 14 shots three times hmm. in the last four games. In the previous 70 games, he took 14 shots four times. Wow. So like he, he, he is, it's kind of funny. I was going to, I was going to text this last night, but like we talk about all the time, his future contract being like, Mikel Bridges, right? That, that that comp. There's also like a weird when Mikel Bridges got traded to the Nets. And I was just like, hey, now you just have to lead the offense. Jaden's kind of done that version of Mikel Bridges too since yeah. Ant went out. It's just like, hey, we don't have Ant. Now, obviously, Call comes back last night. But these last four games, like we just need you to take more shots. And it's working. <laughs> like 25-point games are part of the reason that they've been in these, these matchups and won some of these games. I thought it was so encouraging that you didn't see Jaden fall back into a really low usage tertiary role that you didn't see Kyle Anderson, you know, stop initiating offense. He seemed to still play like Jaden played like the player he's been for the last five games or whatever. Kyle played like the player he's been in the entire time cat's been out. And then probably most surprising to me was Nas played the same way that that he that he he has all season let's uh let's grab a break and i think i think the nas point is an important one when we talk about you know jason and i were talking yesterday about things we're looking for and you know one of our biggest questions was is nas going to play and sure enough nas plays 26 minutes while cat plays 26 minutes and and rudy gobert plays 33 minutes so we'll take a quick break here and then uh the nas read portion of your show Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. If you're a dude who is still washing 
your face using a bar of soap or nothing at all. This one is for you. It's time to stop living like a caveman and start taking care of yourself with Land and Lore, the only men's skincare brand that doesn't suck. Let's face it. If you don't look good, you don't feel good. And if you don't feel good, you're not going to do good. So start your day off like you care and use Land and Lore. Your partner will thank you. And we'll be proud of you for at least trying. Fans of the podcast have even more reason to start caring. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off our face cleaner or moisturizer. And extra credit if you leave a review. That's 20CAVEMAN for 20% off land and lore at Amazon.com. These two products are proven to help you look your best. So upgrade your life with land and lore today. Your face and your partner will thank you for it. All right, we are back with Kyle Tagge from Score North. Uh, Kyle, we were talking right before the break about wanting to get into uh, Nas Reed and and what he was able to do in this game. Led the team in scoring, which is, that just seems crazy. Uh, Twenty six <laughs> points for him last night, as uh, as as Chris Finch said post game. Uh, Nas was was spectacular in this one, and and needs to be in the rotation. Here's Finch. The too big thing has not always been good for you guys this year, but what do you think allowed it to to work tonight with Nas and with Rudy or with Cat and the way that you know you're able to kind of scratch back into it with with Nas and Rudy? I think on the floor. Uh, you know, Nas was spectacular. He really was. I mean, he played um, um, offensively like he just you know he kind of he didn't try to change how he played. I think that was key. Uh, defensively, it was really good. He got his hands on a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, he guarded well. Um, you know, listen, like he's one of our best players. He's been one of our better players all year. Like we got to find a way to make the two big lineup work. It has to be part of who we are, you know, in these last eight games, we have the flexibility to go a lot of different directions. Um, but when a guy's playing this well and, you know, deserves to be out there in some form or fashion. So it's, it's my job to figure that out. But guys like thought they played well, they they played physical down there and, uh, put a lot of pressure on, you know, on the rim. Kyle, the the Nas next to another center thing has been, you know, a real inflection point for the past like three seasons where Nas on all of the last three teams has been a player where I think at different times of the season, you found yourself saying you want him to play more, right? Like how how can mm-hmm. you make him play more? And And the obvious, the only real way to do that is to play him, has been to play him alongside Cat or this season to play him alongside Rudy. And the numbers of that have always been terrible every year. They they've right. been they've been terrible. And it's like it's this it's this frustration that if you just look at the numbers, you go over again, over the course of a large sample size, you go, that should not happen. That should not be a lineup pairing you you go to. And and yet Nas continues to grow. And I think the the need to play him or the desire to play him more has has grown over time. He's earned that, which leads you to be like, okay, why are the numbers as bad as they are? What could we do differently that makes them not so egregiously negative? And, and a theory I've always had is that Nas is such a rhythm player and that when he was on the floor with Kat or with Rudy, at any time, it's often been for like two, three, four minutes. And it's like, and then it, you know, and then it's pulled back off. And that might be the only stint of the entire game he gets out there as the power forward. And I think about Nas, I mean, just the, the Nas is so up and down, just even when he's just playing center, right? And it's like, once he gets into that rhythm, you're like, okay, here comes, here comes a good Nas game. And like what Finch said right there 
of like he continued to play the way he was playing. And that gives me hope that if he can do that mentally and not change who and how he is when he's at the four next to another big, that maybe you can get that rhythm more frequently from Nas when he's playing alongside a center. Because again, if it's like, it's always been like, okay, two, three minutes of Nas next to Cat, that didn't work, pull him out. Maybe we'll go back to it in two weeks. You gotta be able to give it, like, if it is as important as it is, as Finch is saying, to play Nas, and if he's been one of your best players, one of your better players all season, you gotta find things to go to it. I was, I thought it was, I thought it was a good move. Uh, not one that I would have made. I, I was I'm surprised they made it, but it proved to be a good move to really give Nas that extended stretch to find his rhythm. It wasn't good in the first half, but they went back to it in the, in the second half there, and that's when the team went on the run. Him and Rudy on the floor, TP and Kyle and Mike, like a huge, a huge lineup. And it's just encouraging to me because I think this has to be a huge part of their identity is being big and being intimidating in that size and and in that physicality uh yeah i i, I found it encouraging and I, I don't know maybe it's being optimistic maybe the numbers just say this is never going to work but i think you could do things a little bit differently so as to be able to potentially make nas work next to another center which is the only way really he's going to be able to play here for the rest of the season i mean i i don't know if this is prisoner of the moment but we've been doing this the the same length of time, right? Six, seven years covering this team. He's probably the most interesting player I've ever covered simply because when Nas Reed is bad, it's terrible. And when Nas Reed is good, it's life-changing. Like it's <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? Like in, in yeah. your point about giving him consistency, you're right because he can get out there and he is such a high energy guy. I mean, he is like, you know, whether or not he finds a team this, this summer that he can start with. I mean, he really is like your prototypical energy guy off the bench he's just not a guard and you think of energy guys as guards but he's an energy big um like but microwave score he's he's 610 he's you know jamal crawford okay <laughs> i mean like it, it weighs right like it's not yeah, for sure defensively he's not giving you much or not consistently giving you much defensively he was pretty good defensively last night but like you roll with it and you you go with the ups and downs offensively of him because the ups are so high that's that's what all these sixth men are, right? Like the Jordan Clarkson, the, you know, whatever, like go, go down the line. Like it, it seems weird in a six ten body, but like, what was the Boston game, right? Like they're going super small and they, and you know, it's, but it's like kind of a tough, small team. So Rudy was having trouble sort of punishing it. The second half, they just went with Nas and like Nas was the sixth man scoring option off the bench. Like he can be that because He's an, a matchup problem. Like, he's a matchup problem for centers who are too slow or or for, like, forwards that are a little bit too small. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see why he can't be an, an effective player at any position. I like that comp of just bigger Jamal Crawford because he also probably is the closest person on this roster to having Jamal Crawford's handle, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. he does some stuff at the top that's just insane. But I, I'm with you, and what I was trying to say is, is that he can sub in and in the first minute do two things that makes you want to cut him. Like, just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that's that's so dumb. But I think for him, the consistency thing or just having, you know, a, a, a guaranteed role moving forward is really big. And for my weekly football comp, it's like he's not a third down back, right? Like he, he needs to have full drives where he is the guy next to the quarterback. Like, let him find a rhythm, 
I know I said that the, the Wolves don't win that game without Carl Anthony Towns, and I believe that, but during that, when they were down 10, kind of midway through the fourth, Nas had a couple massive buckets, like yep. getting to the getting to the rim, and then also, too, if, he, if he's hitting consistently, and you know, I think Nas Reed is the player most in the league that I know if the ball is going in from three as soon as it leaves his fingers. I don't know if it's just witchcraft, but as soon as he shoots it, you know it's going in or not, and you knew it was going in last night, and he hit a couple big threes that just, he was a big, big part of that. I know you get aroused by this, that massive lineup that Finch played to close the game without a point guard. Uh, he was a big, big part of that. And to your bigger point of just this team invested last July and being one of the biggest teams in the league, there was a play in that fourth quarter with that five-man lineup where like TP runs a, a high pick and roll on the left. Gobert kind of rolls in the middle, does a little dream on, right, where he gets the ball in the middle and he can kick it to anyone. And Nas had hit a couple threes. So Nas was in the corner and Bogdanovich was like, well, I got to help on Rudy, but I know Nas is in the corner and I got to kind of be there. Well, Nas wasn't in the corner. Nas cut to the rim. Rudy found him and Nas had a dunk. Yep. And it's like, that's, that's the big part of this, right? Is just having all these big guys that can space the floor, can make passes like Rudy, but can also attack the rim. So it was, again, I thought the same thing. Okay, Carl Anthony Towns is coming back. Will Nas play? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, Nas led the team in scoring. Like that's that's what that's what this team has to figure out. But they have a lot of options, and it just goes back to maybe the only point I've ever had right is that this is one of the deepest teams in franchise history, and you just have so many different options and ingredients for Finch to figure out. And I thought last night, and I, I kind of want your opinion on this too, but I thought last night was one of the best games Chris Finch has ever coached. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get into. I, can can we do like one more thing on the, the yeah for sure the, 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 the just the overall size right? Like this was we. You know, Ant doesn't play, so you start Cat and Rudy, seven two, six eleven. You start Jaden, six ten. You start Kyle, six nine. All of them have over seven foot wingspans, and and then you have different iterations of how you can go to that too. You can plug Nas in for Cat at the four next to Rudy. You don't lose that length. You plug Tori and Prince in for for Jaden McDaniels. You don't really lose that length, and. This roster is constructed in a way where that has to be your identity. It has to be what teams are thinking about when you come to Minnesota to play, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have made your roster. That is, that is, in, it can't not be that, right? They have to be scared of that. And I, I asked Nas about that sort of just the, the the size overall and uh, of of the group and and what that means. And I, I really love this answer because he was just like, just being, having big players on the floor does not make you physically I- intimidating. So this is me and me and Jace asking Nas just about the, the size of this group. You guys are really big. Even the first group is big besides Mike. I mean, there's nobody smaller than 6'7". Yeah, but so, down Mike and putting in some exa- in, yeah. know, like, a, like a TP makes you guys even really big. Exactly. Uh, what, so, what about that unit rolled in the middle of the quarter to put you guys back in front? In what about that big unit really let you guys roll in the middle of the fourth to, to put you guys back in front? I mean, it's huge. I mean, we got people on the glass. I'm, I'm able to guard whoever. Uh, four or fives. I can switch maybe, uh, whatever case may be. And then, you know, Kyle being able to, you know, bring the ball like a point guard, like that that unit is very unique and uh everybody can do a lot of different things than what they're supposed to do. Nice, is that like 
because now you have you have two centers on the floor like all the time, and you're gonna have the multiple other six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys. Like, do you have it in your mentality that like that's how we need to kind of scare teams? We're gonna be big. We're just gonna be bigger than every other team when we come into it. I mean, yeah, that 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 works. Uh, I think that works, but it's like I feel like. You can't, not too many people are going to be, this is the NBA, not too many people are going to be scared by perception. You got to go out there and do something, you know, like, yeah, like we got to actually do something. So it's one thing to have that, you know, that, that visual sight, but it's another thing to actually be out there contributing. Everybody's going to work in each and every way, you know, like that's, that's the difference maker. All right. It's good. It's good to have that side, but what are we, what are we doing? And I feel like tonight and moving forward, I think a lot of, a lot of big things are going to be coming. I really like that answer, Kyle. Like it, that's what the first 21 games are were right like you were big but you weren't doing anything with it and and this was the first time i watched this team play with two bigs actually that indiana game right right before yeah. uh carl got hurt i was like okay like you are a physically imposing team based on just your height and length and and then last night was that too. You gotta do something with that size. It's not just about being big. It's about being physical. And I and I, I think this group, amongst other things, has gotten increasingly physical over the course of the season. You know, now you got the size cavalry coming in with with Cat back in the mix. You know, TP and Kyle both healthy. That was not the case at the beginning of the season too, because it's it's not to me. It's not just about the size up front. It's also about comfortably being able to play a 6'9 Kyle Anderson at small forward and a 6'11 Jade McDaniels at, at the two. I think they can do that. And I think that's what they have to do to be able to make this roster construction work. Yeah. I mean, we've, I think, successfully transitioned from last year's motto of weirdest team ever to this year's motto of size matters. Like <laughs> last year's roster was a center and a bunch of small guys. And it was cool. And they had the best starting lineup for a while, but then you saw in the playoffs, they just kind of got punked on the glass. And we can debate and will debate the cost and the acquisition of Rodrigo Bear until it is done. But, you know, they added Kyle Anderson too. Like you said, who is six nine and a big guy with long arms. And that just has to be, you know, the Wolves last year were cool and fun and successful because they had an identity. But that identity was proven out in a six-game series to just maybe not be able to take it to the next step. It was a glass ceiling identity. Yep, yep. And this one we don't know either. But now this team is starting to, like you said, and you've been preaching this for weeks, like this team's new identity just has to be being big. Um, Because when you look at the roster, I mean, even Anthony Edwards is kind of in the big group, right? Like this team is just full of really big athletic guys. Even at the two, the two spot or the three spot or whatever, like they're just a big roster. And they leaned into that last night against the Hawks that, you know, have Capella and have John Collins and stuff, but they're still kind of a smaller roster. Um, and I think, you know, though the Wolves kind of punished that with their front court, and that's how they got the win. Yeah, I, and I mean, I don't think Atlanta is the biggest team. I also don't think they're, I wouldn't put them in the small category. Either. No, I mean, no, no, right. I, I, I just mean that to say, like, if you were physically imposing against Atlanta, who's like more like a mid-tier physicality team, then that that's encouraging. You didn't just like, beat up on the Thunder who don't play anybody taller than six six, you know? Like that I I I and you know, that's what Golden State's gonna be, right? Like you're gonna get loony, but you're gonna get a lot of time on Sunday where you're gonna play a fast group. Uh you know the Warriors are gonna try and push as they did against the Wolves when they had Cat and Gobert there. Like 
they're going to beat you in ways with that speed. And they're going to beat you in transitions. Team's going to get hurt in transition defense. What can you do to make up for that on the other side of the floor in terms of your physicality? Or what can you do to make up for that when it is in, in the half court? Because the nature of this roster is going to lose you some things. What is it like? How do you balance and square what, how much more you gain than, than what you lose. And, and to do that, yeah, just to me, physicality is, is so, is, is so critical in that. And I think to your Finch point, like being able to effectively have the positives outweigh the negatives, again, given the roster construction is so much to me about rotations and, and how you figure this out. I thought, you know, Finch did a handful of things well in, in this one, but that's a tough game to coach when you're starting a player at power forward and he can only play for five minutes at a time to be able to go to like, seriously, like to go to a rotation, like that's, that's complicated. It's also complicated to play three centers as they did. And it's also complicated to play a game with one point guard in, in my con, no, no Jordan McLaughlin Ant wasn't there to take point ant duties. Like you had to make Kyle that too. And I, I thought I've had some, I have not liked Finch's rotations in, in broadly th- this season. And as I was going throughout that game, I'm like, he's handling this rotation really effectively uh, tonight. And maybe that's just a product of having, you know, having more options in the bag of of what you can go to. Yeah, no Jordan McLaughlin, no Anthony Edwards. But in terms of their, uh, like, players who are positionally interchangeable, you had all of those pretty much. and And I think that, helps allow Finch to to rotate this thing effectively, which is is just as critical as anything to me in this. What what outside of the rotations when you say Finch had a good game coaching stood out to you? Well, first first and foremost, bias aside, he had that challenge that kind yeah. of saved Jaden's game, right? When Jaden drove to the basket and it it actually looked a lot closer on TV than maybe you thought. No, no, arena. for sure. I I, I was gonna say let, let me pop in there because I was like, oh like Finch, like immediately, like slammed the <laughs> slammed the the challenge thing without like looking at it on the like he must have just seen it live right mm-hmm. there because it was kind of on his it was on his side side of the floor and I'm like oh I I, don't, I was like I don't know like these are these are tough ones to you know to get overturned but that was you're totally right that was huge because that was Jaden's fourth foul would have been his fourth two minutes into the third quarter and then you're gonna have to have him sit for that final, you know, 10 minutes of of the third quarter. Plus, that had the added bonus of they overturned it and then Jaden was shooting free throws because it was a charge call on, on yep. Jaden. And uh, that was, that, that's always my thing with challenges. It's like, one, it, it's helpful if you can save your player from foul trouble. But I, I always like challenges to be in a situation where if the result goes your way, it gives you points, not the ball. A lot of yep. times, guys... Yep challenge and it's like to get the ball and i'm like okay like you got the ball but now you have to run offense again to score when it's a challenge like that now jane's on the free throw line to shoot two free throws you know um so i thought strategically that was a a a good move there and it it saved jaden in in that game there and and finch just kind of relied on his his instinct or eye test right there that was that was a big play i don't know i'm asking you this as well i don't know if this gets tracked um, but if someone listening to this could find it, please, you know, tweet it at us. Um, I don't remember the last time Chris Finch has challenged a play before the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like that was, again, that was big too, but to, to just know that like, dude, I, I can't, 
go into this second half without because there wasn't Ant, right? And we haven't really talked about this too much other than his he was not playing, but like not having Ant was crushing against Trey Young because he's just another dude that can defend him one on one, fight through screens. It can't always just be Jaden. Um, but I thought the challenge was really good. Obviously, he won it. I I would imagine at some point Adam Silver, once he's done trying to ruin the league with midseason tournaments and stuff, will get around to like making a rule that if you get your first challenge right, you get another one. Yeah. Because also the one bad thing about Finch using his challenge in the third quarter was then he was just the wolves were screwed in officiating the rest of the game, but that's neither here nor there. But then with the, the other thing I thought foul that, on the tray three. <laughs> I mean, I'm not one who normally goes to do officiating, but I'm just sitting there watching the replay. I'm like, well, what the hell do you want him to do? Like, I, I that, dude, it, 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 he, he's not, he's not, I try really hard to not comment on other teams, other players. I don't, I'm focused on this team, whatever. It's so not basketball. It's so not basketball. The way he runs around, completely stops, and then just kind of throws the ball. He did it twice in the game. Like, it's just, it's not basketball, and it makes it for such a lame product. Trey Young also had That's one on the, the league, though, man. That's on the league. That's on yeah, the league. Yeah, I know rules. it's on Adam Silver. And, yeah, Stop yeah, trying yeah. to make this into the EPL and, like, make the league better. Like, quick pivot aside, you brought this up, so I'm going to go into it. <laughs> if you danced around the rest of the NBA last night, it was like, I'm, I'm saying it. I would never say this if it wasn't. It was Tim Donahue-esque. The Mavs are literally filing a complaint. If you saw that one play against the Warriors, the Lakers shot 46 free throws against 20 for the Suns in a Scott Foster, Chris Paul battle. Austin Reeves had almost more free throws last night than the entire Suns team. The Jimmy Butler travel against the, the Knicks, like the officiating is so bad. And I say all the time that I think the Wolves get a bad whistle. And I believe that. But that's not saying like they're the only it's just a problem across the league. Like you can't have that. And as we talk about the Wolves and when you get into a playoff series, the, the microscope gets intense and you focus on the thing. The microscope's going to get really intense on this league and this product mm-hmm. and the officiating is terrible. It is terrible. It's terrible for everyone. There was that weird play at the end of the game where I guess I was going to ask you this quick. There was a weird end of game. I guess Torian Prince might have fouled the Hawks on that yeah. kind of rebound. Um, and it was reported in like the pool report. I'm literally just curious. What is like, what's that process like? Like, do you have to go interview the ref after every game or like, what's there, that about? there's one reporter assigned every game as the pool reporter to, if there's a situation which has been happening pretty uh, consistently, like somebody had to go do it after the Boston game. And, you know, you, you just have the chance to interview the officials about, you know, a critical play. Or something. It's often if there's like technicals or an ejection or, or or something like that, or one or kind of one critical play really in the, like the last two minutes of the game. So that happened, and the officials at that time had had the chance to rewatch the you know the final possession of the game, and they said in the pool report that Torian Prince should have been called for a foul on Sadiq Bay getting that offensive rebound in the last seconds. And did. now again, that like. There'll be, I guess, the Trey Young play like wouldn't isn't going to be in the last two minute report. Like this goes this goes both ways. So like the Hawks, according to the refs, got screwed last night, and according to the refs, the Wolves got screwed against Boston last week. So again, it goes both ways. And I I, I like your point to be like this is this is a league wide issue, um, and that to me it's a lot about how we are officiating. Like what what are what are the rules? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that, that there, there just seems to be really moving goalposts in that. And, and it's a bummer because, you know, just given how consistently night to night, this is, 
things that people are really frustrated with, like it's it's almost certainly going to determine at least one playoff series. And and I don't know, like you like you said, it is it's a bigger picture thing that they that the commissioner's office needs to address and, and figure out. So it's it's better for for seasons going forward because I have no interest in this being a consistent topic of ever a game, one way or the other. Bulls getting screwed or the, the other team. It's like I, I I don't know. It 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 needs to be more con- it needs to be accurate more often. And and my expectation is nowhere near perfection or anything close to it. We have just slid too far away from what I would consider competence, and and yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bummer and it's a it's a frustration. I know it's a a huge frustration in in this fan base. You got something else? Well, no. Can I pivot back to Finch? Okay, let's do uh, let's uh, let's do uh, the the falling knife uh, promo oh, cool, here yeah, yeah. first. And uh, yes, Kyle, myself, and Britt are doing a live show there on April sixth. But I really think like. This weekend, when the Wolves play Sunday night uh, against Golden State or Monday night against Sacramento, like that's a that's a fun time to to get together with people. We're talking about the the playoff uh, environment, you know, at Target Center. Those those are road games. Like, I think it's uh, will be a fun environment at Falling Knife Wolves viewing party. Every single one of these games, like they have it on the projection screens. I've been saying this to you guys all season, but if you are looking for a place to go. I think there's no better time than now to go watch this team with other Wolves fans, have a couple beers with, with, with people there and, and enjoy this in a communal aspect. Like this is the reason why it was important for me. And I was excited about partnering with this brewery because I've, you know, I've been here my, my whole life and followed the Timberwolves and always felt like there is no communal aspect to the fan base. There is not there's maybe one wolves hosted you know watch party a year and it's in like roseville or something like or someone's basement yeah (laughs) yeah it's like in minneapolis it's you know it's got i I don't know it it it, to me it makes sense as a place for people to gather whether it's for these you know last eight games of the season but particularly for the playoffs like if you can't get to the games at target center if you obviously the road games there like i think it's going to be a cool place and i'm you know, it's a it's a it's a sponsor of the pod, and obviously that's motivation for me here. But like, for real, like I think this is cool. Like I think this is cool to make a place where people can get together and be in this thing. I always say, being a Timberwolves fan has been like something people did in the dark once they put their kids to bed and they, you know, they sit on the couch and they yeah. got their little group message with like three other people and they're like, "What the hell, Shabazz Muhammad again?" You know, like now. It's better. Like you could come out of the dark. You could go be with other people. And this is becoming way too long of a promotion for this. But I'm I'm just uh, I'm excited for the playoffs in particular, for people to have a place to get together to watch this Wolves team play. And I'm really excited to do the live show with with Kyle and Britt there on April sixth. I will start recording at seven p.m. But we'll be there at six p.m. Uh, I love the kind of kick off the playoffs, play in playoffs, whatever with getting people together there and, uh, you know, and making this a part of, of the Timberwolves community. We'll be back with Kyle here in, in 60 seconds after a break. Sorry, longest ad ever. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Kyle, back for one final segment here. Uh, we wanted You wanted to get a little bit more on Finch. I also want to talk a little bit uh, about Mike Conley. Uh, what do you, let's, let's hit the Finch part first. Those things well, kind of tie together, actually, right? Because yep. Conley, it's all about being part of the system, understanding the system. Yep. And uh, ironically, the other thing that made me think, and Mike was great again last night, but the other part that made me think that was one of Finch's best games he's ever coached was, this whole podcast sounds a lot different. If at the 727 mark of the fourth quarter, Finch doesn't do what he did. Uh, Wolves are down 109-101 with 727 left in the fourth. And Finch subs Conley out and puts TP in and has a no traditional point guard lineup. Yeah, I was, and Minnesota, I was like, ah! Right, and <laughs> I, I was know. thinking the same thing. No no Carl out there. So the lineup is TP, Kyle, Jaden, Nas, and Rudy. The Wolves immediately go on a 16-4 to run during that time in like three minutes of action, regain the lead. And that's why everything we just talked about for the last hour happened. I mean, it was really, again, back to the point of this being a really deep team or Finch maybe being a better coach when he finally has all his ingredients than, you know, we've thought this year. Um, It was a game-saving move. He was just like, Mike's been great, but we just want to have more size to defend Trey. We want to have more size around there. Torian Prince, we always, we always talk about, like, is Jalen Noel backup ant? Torian Prince has become, like, backup ant. Like, <laughs> yeah. his ability to make some plays, he attacks the rim like he's so pissed off. And, like, he's like a running back that puts his head down. Like, he he puts his body into these other guys. He got that to the foul line one, a times. That ant one where you're like, what is that? Yeah, it's like the, the, the running back with, like, both his hands on the ball like that. And he just, like, flipped it up over his head and one. Yes, TP's not just a spacer, man. He He can... I mean, he's, he doesn't have like a lot of wiggle, right? But he can straight line drive too. And, and the man, the three point shooting, he is clearly confident in that. He told us the, the other day that he worked on like re honing some of his three point mechanics that have been kind of a bit wonky since he, really since he came back uh, from his injury. I think I, I say this a lot. I think Torian Prince is a guy like pegged into like an 18 minute role on this team yep. when I think the quality of, player he is is a 25 minute a game type of player and that's a that's a luxury with this team and then to put a bow on the chris finch thing one of the things i've always thought in the nba that would be the most difficult as a head coach is when you have like a second unit in there i mean there were some starters in there but a second unit in there and they're cooking down the fourth but you know you can't actually ride them to the finish line like you know you still at some point got to get the guys in there that you trust the most so not only Finch have that challenge that saved Jaden's night, has this five-man lineup that saves the game, but then he's still able to close with his best guys. And, I mean, you know, we would be talking a little differently today if Finch would have closed with Carl on the bench. Yeah. And be like, oh, you know, can, can, you, can you play both Carl and Rudy down the stretch in these big games? And he did it. And he got Carl the line. He hit those two free throws. But even when he subbed Mike Conley back in, 
Don't worry about it. That, Don't worry that, yeah, that was cooking. Um, Mike Conley just, I don't know what it is because I think he's now played 16 games. Yep. He looks like he's played 166 games in this offense. He looks so comfortable. He came in and he hit that weird two that his toe was just on a line like KD, but he just looks so comfortable. And also, too, I thought you had, I'm, I hope you have this, but he had a great quote post game yeah. where he was talking about the offense, but he just looks like a guy that when things aren't really working, he's so like empowered to just, okay, let me go get the ball and I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll solve this riddle from this possession. Yep. I, I have that clip right here. It is, and I think this is just, it's clear when we're just watching the games that Conley's comfort in, in this system mm-hmm. is growing. And I think, I think, yeah, this quote from last night really affirms that. It looks like these last couple of games, some of the best offense that this team has played this year. Is that is that you and maybe everybody else kind of finding that synergy and really that comfort within what you guys are trying to do? I think so. Um, I think it's you know everybody just finally you know clicking. Um, like I said before, we need we need wins like this where you you know win a tight one and you go either way and, and you just knock down the door and uh, offensive performances like we had in New York where we have a bunch of different guys contributing in different ways. Because um, it, it just, you know, you get confident. And the more, the more you do that, the more motivated for each game. And and I've gotten really comfortable in the system. And and now I'm instead of just you know looking at coach for play calls and trying to figure it out, I'm like, now I'm starting to do it myself and um, manipulate the game a little more. So I'm excited about that. Is it? Are you catching on to like and growing comfort in like the randomness uh, and the, the things that you can kind of just call out of your own comfort at any point, you know, call for a screen here and there and just kind of let things happen. Yeah. Yeah, I am. And there's, you know, a lot of times I would, you know, find myself just drift to the corner and I'd sit there and just kind of let stuff happen. And now I'm like, all right, I'm just going to walk to the ball and just go get it and, <laughs> and run a pick and roll. And, you know, we'll be fine, you know, just get everybody in spacing and, and um, do it that way sometimes. So um, it's not always clean and crisp, but I think we get, when we get the guys we want in the right spots, it, it becomes really effective. Kyle, I think we were talking about the identity, right, of this team being big. Um, that That is an identity that is chosen by how the roster is constructed. The identity of the offense on this team is chosen by Finch and his stylistic preference, which we often refer to as flow. But I think another word to use is random, right? Like, they that is you know that is a, a saying in the league right now play random right and and that just makes it hard to it's the opposite of the James Harden Luka Doncic right where you know that high screen is coming and there's there's a handful of different things that Harden can do if he's going left versus if he's going right you know Luka the skip past the corner this and that when it's not random and as a defense those guys are so good that they can you know effectively get at that even when the defense knows that's what they're going to, what you see Finch trying to do is randomness. I think you see this in Milwaukee. Like they've learned to adapt in a random identity around Giannis. And that's what I think about with this team with Ant is yes, there is going to be a deliberate nature of the offense when the ball is in Ant's hands. But the other things around that are playing off of it and playing randomly feeling like you, br- you bring up Torian Prince, like they tried to hide Trey on him, right? And and TP recognizes that, and he raises up from his spot in the corner to be involving himself in the action because that involves Trey Young. It's a randomness that is predicated on how the other team is has positioned themselves on the floor. Cross matches happen in the NBA all the time, given the pace of it, 
and you'll find yourself with mismatches. And if you aren't playing random, it's harder to take advantage of those mismatches. So that's what flow is. That's what they're trying to do with the randomness. And you, and the reason it hasn't been very good this year, like the Wolves, again, are a bottom 10 offense this season, is they haven't had personnel who really could or would embrace the randomness of flow. And and now what I see in that game last night, and as actually it, in large part because Ant was out, because I would say Ant is one of the people who's still figuring out what that randomness and flow is. But you have a group where, you know, seven, eight of your guys, now the randomness of the flow is something that is intuitive to them. And I think when we talk about this team being a top 10 offense, like, yeah, you can probably just be a top 10 offense with Ant and Cap being on your team. You can get higher than that by also involving the other pieces through randomness, through flow, and and really blow this thing up offensively. Like, it's huge that the point guard, Mike Conley, gets that now. In his last four games, Conley has 26 assists and four turnovers. And he's also averaging 20 points a game over those last four. Again, kind of like the Jaden thing, right? Like, Ant goes out in that Bulls game, need Mike to not only <laughs> stir the pot, but also, you know, put a couple in the bucket. So shooting six um, threes a game since he came to Minnesota, at like 41, 42%. I mean, and, that's, huge. and that's, you know, we can say it again, but that's why there are moments there. This is, come on. This is professional sports. There are moments where it's just chess pieces fit better on different boards. I've watched all those Lakers games and the ones that Delos played, and he's been really good for the Lakers. Um, but he was just a better fit on that team. And Mike Conley has just been a better fit on this team. He, he, is he understands the flow of the offense, like you said. He's also a cool cucumber that just doesn't, you know, get for a team that has a lot of guys that like to complain or talk or whatever. Like Mike's just kind of the dad out there, kind of, you know, shepherding his kids around and bring them to school and bring them to their after, you know, soccer. So he's been fantastic. Um, and it's just, I mean, that's once he's kind of figured it out. I remember when we talked to him after that Wizards game right before the break and he was, it was like a man who just needed a cigarette. He was so tired from the trade and all that stuff. But the all-star break, I mean, look at his numbers after the all-star break. He's just kind of started to figure out he's been, he was incredible all March. Um, and they need him. And again, it goes back to the Carl thing. Like Carl's, we were all so concerned, myself included, that like when Carl came back into this, we remembered what it looked like with Carl and Rudy and that, that same roster in October, November. But it's such a different roster, even though it's most of the same guys. They have different roles. They understand their roles more. Um, and there's just so much offense around. I mean, this is there's just so much offensive potential and firepower around him now that when you start to look ahead to this West Coast road trip and all that stuff, like it's, you know, the sky is kind of the limit for this team. And as, as frustrating as the season has been and all that stuff, it's like you're in a good spot right now. You keep pulling out these wins that are, I mean, when's the last time, dude, we've been doing March podcasts that are like not talking about the draft. <laughs> like every game now for the rest of the season is a playoff game. And that stuff's important. I mean, this is selfish, but right before we started recording Jade McDaniels, there was a, a tweet from Shams where it's like a one-on-one interview. And Jaden said more words in two and a half minutes than he's ever said to the local media. Um, but he references a couple of times of like, it clicked for me in the playoffs. And that goes back to your point from last year. It's like, this team just needs to get into the mix of the postseason because that's when you start to really focus on what can what works for my game and what doesn't work for my game what works for my roster what doesn't work for my roster so yeah it was a a big win last night a big win against the Knicks it'll mean very little 
if they go drop their next eight. Right. <laughs> but uh, it was again, the, this team, I'll say it again, has been so frustrating, but they've shown something that a lot of Wolves teams have passed haven't, and that's just heart. I don't know if that comes from TP or what, but when they were down 10 last night, man, it was like, it was gruesome in my brain. And I'm sure it was not a comfortable feeling at Target Center, but for them, you know, led by Chris Finch, led by Jaden, led by Carl, whatever, like to dig yourselves out of a game that you're supposed to win anyway, because you're six point favorites. That was, that's big. Now you have a couple of days to rest and now you go on a really, really important West Coast road trip. I, w- one more thing on the mic on the mic piece, like when, and and I asked Fitch about this last night, like when we think about the first 21 games and what didn't work, the one variable obviously that wasn't there was Mike. Like, and now we've, we've only seen, you know, one game with it and we don't know if he's going to, we we know he really helps Rudy will to be determined in how much he's able to, to help cat versus how much D'Lo help cat or whoever else helps cat when they're out there with him. But, and I'm sorry, I don't have this clip, but I I asked him about it because that that's my my real curiosity was when I asked Finch if like what is Mike what does the Mike new Mike variable mean to the Cat and Rudy pairing because they're gonna play together a lot and Mike's gonna be out there a lot too and and what Finch said was he said I think he's the perfect piece he really is he can make all the big plays he can run the offense he can get the ball to the guys where and when they need he's going to hit big shots he and Kyle too. The two bigs with Rudy and Cat, other than a couple spacing issues, I'm not worried about the functionality about it. It's literally the guards that have to retool themselves a little bit. That last line there is is a kicker to me, right? Like, yes, there are issues, spacing issues with Cat and Rudy. There's going to be defensive spacing, spacing issues with Cat and Rudy. We saw rebounding issues with that. You fill those issues, the gaps of those issues with the guards and with the wings, and you now have really across the board in, in the starting lineup, you literally have a completely new point guard. You have Jaden McDaniels now in the, in the starting lineup, who is a very different player than he was in those first 20 games of the season, just because he's evolved. And Ant has upped his game. The first 20 games of the season, Ant wasn't great. And Ant made his all-star push once Cat went out. So Cat and Rudy together are coming into a different starting group than they did before. Kyle Anderson was hurt, had back spasms through so much of that time at the beginning of this season. Torian Prince was in and out of the lineup and and, and then hurt there for, for a while too. Like the main core pieces of this rotation, you throw Nas in there too, he's changed a bunch. Like the Cat and Rudy pairing is coming back into a different rotation before than it was before. That doesn't promise anything, but it's a fact that those two are playing with different teammates than than they were before literally and 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 figuratively i'm i'm really interested uh to be able to track that and yes to your point or my point like the playoffs is where we're going to learn the 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 very most about this i literally haven't even had the time to kind of look at the standings just because i came home went to bed and we're recording this uh the next morning obviously the wolves win i'm looking at the standings now 37 and 37 which puts them in the seventh seed. Also still with the only, you know, the Pelicans are the 12 at 35 and 37. So they have the same amount of losses. Like we're getting to the point where you got to look at the loss column here a lot. And so there's still the fear of, you know, dropping a couple of games and dropping all the way out of the top 10. But I also want to point out that the top end is getting closer here too, because Phoenix is losing. The Clippers 
have have lost a few games. They Paul George is isn't going to be in here for the rest of the time. So as much as the 12 seed is in play for this team, like even the four seed kind of is. The Wolves are 37 and 37, and the Suns are 38 and 34 and consistently dropping games. They've lost, they've lost their last two, and they don't have KD. They are not, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at it as four through 12 now is, is all in play here, which gives you optimism of skipping the play-in altogether, but also the fear of, you know, you, you hit a bad stretch here and you might miss this thing altogether. It's so nice that they have three nights off. <laughs> like my mental health is just like because like you said it is what is it between four and 12 it's it's a three game difference and I'm, I'm with you by the way maybe you've changed my thinking i'm actually looking at the win column a little more just because mm. everyone kind of has 37 losses but the wolves have like two more wins than the jazz two more wins than the pelicans look at that jazz schedule the rest of the way like i don't know if there's two wins on that so mm. every win matters um you get to just sit back now until sunday and like there are so many games like the thunder play the clippers yep the Suns play like the war. Like there's a lot of games coming up that only one of them can win. I mean, I think, I don't know. Adam Silver could come up with a way that they both win, but oh, let, let's, someone... let's go through this real quick. You do, you do have the, the Thunder and the, and the Suns or the, the Thunder and the Clippers who, who play on Thursday night. Of course, now my phone is not doing it. Okay. And then on Friday, you've got, you know, the Mavs who are in the mix. They, they play at home against the Hornets. That's an easy one for them. The Jazz play the Bucks. Mm-hmm. That that could go well. The Warriors play the Sixers, the Suns play the Kings, and the Thunder on a back to back play the Lakers. I don't even know Thunder Lake. It's also getting hard to be like. I don't even know when two of these teams are playing each other. I'm not even really sure like which one you want to have happen. But they're playing each other, which means you know one team needs to lose. And then on Saturday, still before the Wolves play again, what do we got here? We got the Suns play the Sixers. That's a back to back. And the Jazz play the Kings, and the Pelicans and the Clippers play each other. So there is going to be some infighting amongst these teams, four to twelve here. And when they're not playing teams within that four to twelve, they're playing the Sixers, they're playing the Bucks, they're playing the Sixers again. Like I don't know what's going to happen exactly with the standings by seven thirty when the Wolves are tipping off um, in San Francisco against the Warriors. But the standings are going to look different, and some of these teams. I, I don't know. I, I think it might be more losses than than wins when we just isolate for the four through twelve. By the time the wolves are back, maybe they just find themselves in the six even before even before having played any games in the next three days. Yeah, Golden State or at Golden State, at Sacramento, at Phoenix, and then a day off, and then home for the for the Lakers. So the next four games are against all teams that are going to make some version Ooh. of the postseason. We think. And then a little reprieve with the Blazers and the, the Nets. And I know the Nets are in it too, but the Spurs and the Pelicans. So you know, with 10 games left, I think I, I might have texted you this, but I was like, I think if they go five and five, they can, you know, make one of the top 10 s- seeds. Just because, again, like you said, there's so much cannibalism of these other teams having to play each other and win, wins and losses. But if that is true, and I was even close to being right, you're 2-0 and now to start that 10 final game stretch on that final lap. So uh, it's going to be... And more than anything, man, again, just I know I've been saying this forever, but that's why I'm excited about the falling knife thing. It's like, we're just not used to this. We're <laughs> I know this has been super frustrating, but these games mattering in March, like we're all supposed to just be looking at brackets, right? Or tankathon. It's not, can the Wolves pull out a back-to-back win, you know, against Golden State and Sacramento. So I did, I, I wanted to throw this into the top, but if you're still listening, Mike Conley uh, did a really cool podcast at, with Ryan Rossillo. 
it's like the 22 minute mark, but he says some cool, we don't, we haven't gotten to talk to Mike a lot just because he is a new player, right? There's no media day for Mike Conley yet. So, uh, he just talked about being selfless and just his role on this team. And it kind of all echoes everything you just said about what Finch said and his role and his understanding of the team. So, uh, if you, if you're a Mike Conley fan, I would definitely go check that out. It's over at the ringer, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all. That's all I got, but I'm, dude, I am so excited. Give me 72 hours of non Timberwolves basketball. <laughs> I, I needed more than anything. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for it too. Uh, again, we'll, uh, we'll be back with one more pod in that time, uh, with Brit. We're going to record that on Friday afternoon. So that'll be up probably Friday, uh, late afternoon. That'll kind of be, uh, the pod for the weekend. We'll have, uh, the, the game on Sunday night, uh, against the Warriors. I will, I don't know. Chris Hine is going from, San Francisco on on Sunday night to to Sacramento on Monday, so I'm not sure exactly uh, how we'll handle that. But like I've said uh, all year, as we kind of ramp up here to the close of the season to the playoffs, I'm going to be trying to do uh, as many pods as I can, uh, working with my guests' schedule. But uh, you know, it's a it's a fun time to to talk about this team, even if they do drop a couple games. Because I mean, I mean, kind of shout out to the play in. This is this is. Uh, made this part of the season uh, I, I think significantly more interesting for teams that are in the class of the Wolves not only in the West but in the Eastern Conference too um, yeah I, I'm also excited to have no Wolves games for 72 hours but I'm definitely going to be checking in on the spending way too much time on uh, on League Pass for, for the next three days Kyle uh, I appreciate you doing it as always you guys can uh, check out Kyle uh, over at Score North with Phil Mackey on the flagrant Howells Powell Howell's pod as as well and you can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Tagge. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I'll be back with Britt on Friday. Till then he's Kyle, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling man I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd Yeah, yeah, don't let standards ever ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around yeah. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.